0: But I really do. I pray that everybody had a great, a great Thanksgiving season, and you're ready to move into Christmas. Anybody ready for Christmas? How many people love the Christmas season? Anybody really love Christmas? Okay, a few of us Christmas. How many people know for sure that you're sitting next to Scrooge? Does anybody know for sure that you're? Oh, okay. We got a couple of Scrooges in the a couple of Scrooges in the house. We're gonna we're gonna cast that demon spirit out of them before they leave today, and we're gonna let them get set free so they can enjoy, enjoy Christmas. Over the next few weeks, we're going to um, we're going to be in a a series that we're calling Carols, and so we're gonna take a look at. Um, we're going to take a look at some of the favorite Christmas carols, and thank you to those of you that, some of you that responded um, on my Facebook question about, what's your favorite Christmas carol? It's, um, it's been interesting to see. I think right now, Old Holy Night and Silent Night are, um, are really kind of running tied right there. How, m- how many people, Silent Night's one of your favorite Christmas carols, okay? How many Holy Night people, how many people, just as long as it has the word night in it, I'm going to vote for it, that's right, so, okay. Okay. Um, so it's, um, I think we're going to have a, a good time with this. Um, with this. You know, I, when I was growing up, I had a confusion, a little bit of confusion that went on about what, um, what Christmas Carol was. You see, my, dad, uh, my dad's name was, uh, my dad's initials were J.C., and he was born on December the 25th. And, um, so there's a story I can't tell in church about that, but, um, but so they said, but his name was John Carroll. And so anybody, sometime I heard somebody say something about, Oh, Christmas Carol. I thought they were talking about my dad for a long time. And so finally he no, 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 you know, we didn't grow up in church. And I, so I didn't understand how all that worked. And, um, but, um, we're going to take a look at some of our favorite Christmas carols and it's been, it's already been amazing. Just looking at some of the research and finding out uh, just the history and the story of some of, the, uh, of, some of these Christmas carols. So, so don't miss these next few weeks. You're gonna, I think you're really going um, to enjoy it. You're gonna, we're going to have some fun. We're going to learn some things. Uh, hopefully we're going to be inspired. And, um, and, and we're going to be inspired and encouraged to make this the best Christmas ever. How many people think, man, it's time to have the best Christmas ever? Amen? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going, to be, um, it's going to be great, and it's not going to be the best because of the, of the food, and it's not going to be the best because of the uh, the gifts that are given or gifts that are received. It's going to be the best because we, of who we, who we celebrate, and we celebrate Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um, Well, I want to jump in today. and Well, first of all, let me mention this about carols. Um, some, in, in our contemporary world, uh, the word carols has been uh, relegated kind of to Christmas. It's um, it's transitioned and it's become something that we focus on just during the Christmas season. But historically, the word carol is an ancient word that refers to dancing or singing songs of praise and happiness all year round regarding all kinds of different situations, subjects and reasons. But um, Little by little, these these little songs, these carols that had been written, um, some of them were even like pub songs and songs like that, these little carols where people would sing and they would dance and they would celebrate, that little by little, these, these carols were drawn, the tunes and the melodies were drawn into the churches and um and, and there was um there were spiritual implications there were spiritual things that were tied to these tunes now i know this is going to be hard to believe but that upset some of the religious people that uh, so, uh, songs they'd heard tunes they had heard in the pub or as they were walking down the street cuz we know the religious people would have ever been in a pub right but um i guess that's a whole different sermon there so we'll, but they were they were upset you know but little by little um, these songs, these tunes, were redeemed, and they became a part of the Christian culture. And especially when it came to focusing on the birth of Jesus Christ, that um, these carols become something, became part of the culture of Christmas. And um, and so one of my um, one of my favorite uh, carols we're gonna as we're gonna talk about today that I think ties very closely to Thanksgiving. Because without thanksgiving and without gratitude, I don't think that we'll ever have this thing, this, this thing that God wants to have in our lives. And so, so today, we're going to talk about joy, and we're going to focus on the song, Joy to the World. All right? And, uh, and do we have any children of the 70s here? And it, we're not talking about that version. We're talking about the Christmas version, okay? We're not, not uh, you know, uh, the, the, the heathen versions, right? We're talking about the Christmas version. So what I want you to do, um, first of all, this this Christmas carol was written by one of the most famous uh, preachers and songwriters in history by Isaac Watts. It was written in about 1700, 1719, and... Uh, and uh, later, there was a gentleman, His name um, was his name was Lowell Mason, who in 1839, it says that he, um, he took this song, imported the song that had become famous all over Europe. He heard the song, he brought it to America. he attached it to the, the melody that we now know uh, so, so very well, which is attributed to Handel. anybody know Handel's Messiah and all that kind of stuff. That, that Handel gets credit for this, um, this tune, and, um, and it's become just a world, world famous song. Anybody think our world could l- use just a little bit more joy in it? Mm-hmm. I, um, I agree, I agree. I love that song, and um, you know, I was kind of disappointed because I was for sure, I thought for sure that would be one of the songs that made it to the top list. It's one of my favorite songs, and um, and, I've got, and you know what? And know what else? I was I was really amazed to discover, in uh, researching this song, that that this song was really it's not a Christmas song. That's where everybody's supposed to go. <gasps> All right, okay. So it, it wasn't written uh, as a Christmas, uh, Christmas song. Watts, as a matter of fact, when he wrote this, he wrote it based on the second part of Psalm ninety-eight, where he talks about the Lord coming back a second time where Jesus coming and returning to earth and establishing his kingdom, coming as the Lord of lords and as the King of kings. And how many people know that when Jesus comes back again, it's going to be a joyous time. Amen? And so we as God's people, we as God's people certainly should have joy, for we've got amazing, amazing things uh, to look forward to. So, uh, But I do want us to look today, and one of the things I believe that the Lord is speaking to us is, is that we should be a people of joy, not just during Christmas, obviously, but all year round, God wants his people filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. We're going to be looking at a few verses in John, chapter 15, and verses in John, chapter 16. While you're turning there, Let let me remind you that as far back in the Old Testament as the restoration, during the time of the restoration of the temple, where Nehemiah and Ezra were rebuilding the walls of the city, rebuilding the temple, that God spoke and he said this. He said that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Whenever I hear that, uh, that statement made or make that statement, I can't help but thinking back to Danny's dad who years ago used to make a statement all the time as one of his favorite statements. And he'd say, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, that most Christians don't have enough strength to blow the fuzz off a peanut. So (laughs) I think it's time that we as Christians embrace the idea, as followers of Jesus, embrace the idea that God's plan to strengthen us is to strengthen us with his joy, the joy that comes in his presence. Amen? And I believe that's what he wants for us today. You know, John chapter 15, verse 11 starts out, and it says this, it says, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy remain in you, and that your joy may be full. God's intention for us is for our joy to be full in spite of any circumstance or situation that's going on in our lives. Now, somebody mentioned this earlier this morning, and I'm well aware that there's plenty of difficulty that goes on in our world. I'm well aware that there are people that are facing challenges in many different areas of life, physical challenges. There's been a lot of sicknesses going around. There's been stomach illnesses. There's been respiratory problems that have been, seems like it's been epidemic in, during, throughout this season. There are people that are dealing with financial issues. There's people that are dealing with, with relational struggles. I know there's a lot of stuff that's transpiring and taking place in our world, but can I tell you today that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people who are filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that stuff doesn't dictate to us who we are and how we feel. Amen? That it's the presence of Jesus Christ. Even here in John chapter 15, Jesus brings his disciples close to him. And as he comes towards the end of his ministry, as he's getting ready to go and to to be captured and to be taken prisoner and to be subjected to cruelty, he he tells his disciples, he comes close, listen, something's going to happen and you're not going to like it. As a matter of fact, he says, I want to tell you that I'm going to be taken away from you. How many people know that things happen that we just don't always like? Amen. I, I mean, sometimes mama burns the biscuits, right? But you don't stop eating. You come back for more, right? Right. Th- sometimes things just aren't going to go the way that we want. As a matter of fact, I, I, I believe that there are two main reasons why, why people's lives lack joy. And, and one of those reasons is because of the bad things that happen to us that really shouldn't take place. I mean, we know that there's crisis that goes on. We know that there are things that people die too early. Just a little over a week ago, went to the funeral of a 52-year-old man that that it was just too soon for him to die. It was too soon. We know that there's situations and sicknesses. And, and some of you this past year have experienced things that were, were not good, that were difficult. And, you've, and it's almost like it's, it's just been a pounding. And there's been, I look out here and I see people who I think, man, how are they even standing? It's been one thing after another that's tried to hammer on them. And, and those good things, the, the goal of the enemy is to take those bad things, those bad things that should not have happened, and try then, try to steal away our joy, try to, to, to get his foot in the door through those traumatic experiences and cause us to question, is God really good? Does God really care? Is he near? I think a second reason that joy escapes us is, is because that so many times there's so many good things that haven't happened yet. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's, man, I've been holding on to that promise, and Pastor, you said it a few weeks ago, and I've been, I've been circling the promise, and, and, and boy, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm not looking at it as a problem, but, but it hasn't come yet. The healing hasn't come in my body yet. The, the relationship hasn't been restored yet. The, the financial breakthrough hasn't come yet. The, 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 the freedom hasn't come. I, it's not where the, the, the decision, the, the, the knowledge of what to do, it hasn't come yet. And so, so I'm struggling with this. And many times we let that become the focus of our lives. And when we let anything other than Jesus be the focus of our lives, joy is going to ebb out of our life. It's just not going to be present. Jesus, knowing that things were going to happen, he loved his disciples so much. He said, I want you to know when these things happen, hold on, because you need to have joy. My presence, my joy, my strength in you is going to help you overcome these situations. So with that in mind, I want us to look this morning at three quick thoughts about joy. You ready? Number one, joy is activated in waiting. All right? joy is activated in waiting. Now I know that for me that that doesn't always seem to match up. What do you mean wait? Wait and then that helps to release, it helps to promote, it helps to activate joy. They just don't seem to go together. But look in John chapter 16 and Jesus says this, he says a little while and you will not see me. And again a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. Now, this, this little while means you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to hold on. You're, you're not going to get everything you want the very moment you want it. it it's not going to happen on your timetable. It's not going to happen exactly how you want it to take place and when you want it to take place. And, and, and I recognize and I realize there are people who have been waiting there's people that have been, it seems like that we've all, that's all we've done in some things. We've we've waited. We've waited on the direction. Well, God, should I go to the should I go to the right or the left? You're right, my, you know, the right or the left, God. Should I, should I, should I go this direction or that direction? Should I pursue this degree or that degree? Should I take this job or that job? God, I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm waiting on direction. And there's others that have been waiting on provision. Lord, you know our need. You know the, the circumstance of our life. You know that I, I need finances or I need a spouse or I need a place to live or I need a car. I... So we're waiting. We're waiting on the provision of God. And there's many of us. How many people have ever just been waiting on the timing of the Lord? This whole waiting thing waiting, waiting, waiting. But, but don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of the fact that you're not waiting with hopelessness, you're waiting with purpose. You're waiting because God says, it's going to happen in my timing and according to my plan and according to my purpose. And so we've got to get a perspective change that says, this isn't a bad place. This isn't punishment. Anybody ever felt like not having what you want, not having what you need, not being able to go in where you want to go? Has anybody ever looked at it and thought, well, I'm being punished for something? Sure we have, haven't we? And so we've started getting introspective. We thought, well, what did I do? Or where did I open a door? Or where did I plant some bad seed? Or where did I sin? And now this is coming into my life. And and can I tell you, that's not the issue. I believe that at many times what God is saying is, I'm bringing you to a place where you have an opportunity for renewal. I'm bringing you to a place where you can activate your, your faith at a level that you've never had to activate it before. Amen? I really do. Isaiah chapter 40 puts it like this in verse 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Now, what did we just say just a minute ago? That Nehemiah told us that the joy of the Lord is our... Everybody say it. Say strength, right? It's our strength. So wait a minute. So right here, Isaiah is saying, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew the joy of the Lord. How many times, though, do we find ourselves in a, in a situation of waiting and we get discouraged or we get depressed or we get angry or we get frustrated? And what we, have, what we do is we start looking for answers and looking for solutions and examining ourselves. And God's saying, hey, wait a minute. This time of waiting is not about that. It's about looking to the Lord for those who wait on the Lord. You can wait and not be waiting on the Lord, right? Men, do you know what I'm talking about? How many men have ever waited for a woman, right? You know? I'm sorry, I don't even know. That's not even in my notes. I don't know where that came from, right? So I had a flashback sitting in a dormitory, man. There'd be a whole room of guys just sitting in the dormitory waiting for the women to come down. You know, it was like waiting, waiting, waiting. Just keep them waiting. And I know they were up there just partying. They were drawing straws to see who would go out next. I mean, they were already ready. They weren't getting ready. It was just, they were just, they were playing with us. That's what it was. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Then they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, God, God doesn't want us fainting. He doesn't want us faltering. He doesn't want our, our faith running out on us. He wants it to be a time when our faith is strengthened, when we are encouraged, when we are built up. Lamentations chapter 3 puts it like this. It says... And this is an incredible, I'm serious, this is an amazing section of Scripture. You can go back and read it for yourself. But So, Lamentations, he's, he's kind of pouring out his soul about all these bad things. And, and listen to what it says here. He says, my soul still remembers. Anybody keep underline that. My soul still remembers. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. And it sinks within me. It, 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 the bottom falls out of my soul, my My heart drops, my joy drops, my strength drops. This I recall to mind then, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Anybody thankful for the mercy of the Lord? We know what mercy is, right? Not getting what we do deserve, amen? Okay, and his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Come on, somebody, somebody say that with me. They are new every morning. That means this morning, today, right here, right now. The mercies of God and the, the goodness of God, His compassion is renewed on our behalf today. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I don't know about you, I need some renewal every day. Amen. I need that. He goes on, He says, they're new every morning, so great is your faithfulness, O God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Can I tell you if we're putting our hope in anything else other than God? We're putting our hope in our own abilities and our own resources. We're putting our hope in in friends and family. We're putting our hope in in jobs and finances and retirement plans and governments and presidents and president-elects and political parties. We are missing it, folks. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. Amen. Verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. This this is a huge key. This is a huge key in our waiting, in the time between when... We we have the need and the need is met and, and something and the issue arises in our life and the solution and the, and the answer comes and the between the time when the promise is made and the promise is fulfilled. We wait, but we wait with our hope on in the Lord. We seek the Lord. Amen. And listen, I want you to receive this as a word from God today. That there are people sitting here today that you're in this exact situation, and you're going, yeah, oh yeah, go ahead, Pastor, that's a good word. But it's only going to be a good word if we, put it, if we mix faith with it and put it to practice in our life and say, hey, you know what? That's for me. I'm not going to spend all my time just seeking things and seeking answers and seeking solutions and seeking resolution to problems. I'm going to seek the Lord for in him do I hope and in him do I receive the grace and the mercy and the, and the provision, the blessing that I need in my life. But sometimes we get tempted to go a different direction. That's what the disciples did in John chapter 16, excuse me, in verse 17. He says this, it says, then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while you will see me. And because I go to the father, therefore they said, what is this that he's saying a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now, isn't it nice to know that the disciples get frustrated with Jesus sometimes Anybody here ever been frustrated with the Lord? And he's like, what are you doing, God? I don't know about you, but every year for Christmas, I want to buy God a watch. You know, it's like, because he just really doesn't know how to keep time. He, his, his provision, his, God, why do you always seem like show up at the last minute, God? I mean, you know, no wonder church members wait to the last minute to get here. Did I say that out loud, brother? I just, right? No, man, you know, what, what's going on here? And the disciples said, I don't know what's taking place. And then look what they did next. They said this. It says that they, um, or they said this. They said, um, then some of his disciples said among themselves, some of his disciples said among themselves, verse 17, I'm sorry, said among themselves. Now, I know that there's nobody here that ever talks to another person. Anybody here ever get a little frustrated with life? And I just don't understand what's going on. So we go and we gather with our girlfriends and we talk and we, and, and then he said this, but he didn't put a ring on and I don't understand what's going on and it hadn't happened yet and you know and then and then it's like you know well well, this job and we're frustrated in our job situations and guys and we sit around and talk man and that stupid supervisor and, and we reason among ourselves right and and families get together and right they've got they all huddle together except for the one person over there that they're talking about right and we're oh and they did this and they did that and Can I tell you that reasoning among yourselves. Now, I know there's, listen, there's a difference between receiving godly counsel and just jabbering. Amen? Amen? And they were looking. Look, some of the disciples said among themselves, why would you say among yourself when you can go to Jesus? Just a few minutes later, the scripture says that they went to Jesus and then Jesus explained things. Jesus explained things. You know, this morning, uh, early, I am. I was thinking about this, this message about joy. And so I said, Lord, you know what? I, I, I don't understand. Excuse me. I've, I've preached about joy. We've preached about joy. People preach about joy. But in my opinion, my lowly, humble opinion, I don't see the body of Christ filled with joy. I, 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 and God, I, I'm being serious, Lord. I'm just like, I don't want to go in there and preach a message on joy and have everybody walk out with, with their faces like just sour and their hearts. I, I just don't want to do that, Lord. Let somebody else do it. You know, what I mean, I just don't. I don't want. I don't want to go through that today. So God, let me let me ask. Help me help me understand why don't people have joy in their? I mean, come on, folks. Of all the people in the world, there is no reason for us. In the world and in the community and the place we live, for us not to be filled to overflowing with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving—I mean, it should be oozing out of us. Somebody should bump into us in Walmart and man, just joy just spill over on them. I'm just telling you, we have no reason not to be filled with joy. So I said, God, what is it? And um, He said, Do You want to know? I said, Well, go easy, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm telling you this morning I believe that the Lord gave me a word for us and for some people here. And here's what I believe that the Lord said. I believe he said, "Sam, the people that re- the reason people don't have joy in their hearts is because they have so many soul ties in their lives. They are their souls are so wrapped up with people from the past." There's so there's so there's so many people. They've had relationships, and then they they've they they've they've, they've it was with a mom or a dad or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a, uh, some somebody. Matter of fact, the Lord reminded reminded me. I'm telling you, listen, it happens, folks. Look, <clears throat> soul ties don't make us weak. They make us needy, and Jesus meets our needs. Amen. Uh, the Lord reminded me, he goes, you remember, you, you had a soul tie. The Lord earlier this year spoke to me about having a soul tie with a pastor that I had worked for. And, and that even in, in today's world, this was many years ago, and he, he said, you still evaluate things based on what that pastor would or would not do or what he would or would not approve of. He said, that's still part of your evaluation. You've got your souls tied to it. And he said, and when you're always focusing on somebody or something else, you're going to miss the freedom of what I offer you. And the Lord spoke to me this morning, said there's people that are sitting here today that they can sing the songs Joy to the World, but they're not going to have joy as long as they let these soul ties ruin their lives. As long as they keep being attached to the lie that only somebody, some person, something of the past or something of the future, some person can meet the need of their life. If we believe for a moment that a person, past, present, or future, can meet the needs of our lives, we're deceived. Only Jesus meets our needs. Only God supplies the need of our life. Amen? And so the Lord just started bringing, and, and listen, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I, I, it happens, it's happened with me. The Lord started showing me things, issues in my life where I'd had soul ties. Um, through the years, through the years of um, of going to college, I, I worked through college. I had to work my way through college. I went to a private Christian school that was, was fairly expensive for the time, and um, and I, it used to um, amaze me seeing some of the people. You know, there were people driving up in Jaguars and Mercedes, and and um, and uh, I drove up in my '73 Plymouth Sebring, green with a Landau top. I was rolling, man. I'm telling you, I was like, yeah, come on now. Yeah, that little three eighteen would hang with the rest of them. So anyhow, um, you know, I had that car. So and then um, and that car started getting old. And so I went. I took a year off of college and um, ran out of money. And had I went and worked and did some ministry and evangelized and stuff. And man, I made a ton of money. And boy, I came to back to college next year. I'm telling you, I was I was pimping, buddy. I had it, man. I, I'm telling you, I I, I had a a, a seventy six. Um, Cutlass, Oldsmobile Cutlass 350. Come on, man, where are you at there? Anybody, there's nothing sounds like a 350 had duels on it, buddy, I'm telling you. Woo, maroon. Had, I had that shine, that thing was shine. Boy, blind you, man. You just had to turn your eyes away. White land out top, white interior, great sound system. Yeah, man, I come cruising through campus now. Now all the heads are turning. I mean, all 600 of them. It was like, I mean, you know, so it was. And the Lord, I went home that next summer. And, uh, and all, all year long that year, I had health problems in my life. All year long. I dealt with a back issue. Went back. Uh, that next year, couldn't work. I worked for a, a union grocery store. And um, I couldn't work. And, and the Lord began to say, he said, you need to get rid of that car. You need to get rid of that car. You need to get rid of the car. I was going, I rebuked the devil. I rebuked the devil. You know? He said, your, your identity's attached to that car. Your identity's being attached to that car. So um, just to validate how spiritual I was, I bought a 72 Datsun station wagon, bright orange with a black top. It looked like a pumpkin. It really did. <laughs> but, uh, but it wowed my girl here. She saw that me in that car. <laughs> you know, and she just had to have the car, you know, so that's what it was. So... Yeah, yeah, I impressed her, impressed her parents, and with that. that. But but I'm I'm telling you, I, I'm just telling you. there's so many times the the things I can remember in the Bahamas. We um, first got there, we had a boat, and the boat um, wasn't any good, and we got ripped off. We bought it from a preacher, and so um, I wish that wasn't a true story, but that is a true story. And so um, so man, I found the boat I needed. And I drive by on my little motorbike and I look at, oh, I claim that boat in the name of Jesus, Lord, I need that boat. Okay, and I drive back behind, Lord, and I claim this motor needs to go with it for about months. I drive by it. And how many people know that sometimes you can name and claim something so long that it's not the will of God, but God finally goes, if you want it that bad, you can have it. (laughs) Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You, You can just have it, all right? So I had that boat. We had it about six or eight months. Man, it was great. And I'd cruise through the harbor. Loved that boat. It was wonderful. And vet and I went on vacation one year, and we came back in. I, there was a boat sitting up on the harbor in the bottom of it. There was, a, there was a hole in the bottom of the boat. I thought, huh, that's interesting. Somebody's boat sank. And, um, and so uh, about that time, the guy that drives the ferry boat, he goes, Hey, Pastor, there's your boat. I was like, well, Lord, I don't understand <laughs> But can I tell you, my hope was on the boat. There was an attachment. I needed something. And what I really needed was God to supply and to meet our need. Now, understand my heart on this. I'm just going to try. We went for a year without a boat on this island. That's like going for a year without a car here. And we just said, God, I'm not asking. I'm not asking for a boat. You give me what you know you want me to have. And we got a boat, a 24-foot boat that had two motors on it that when we left, we were able to give it to another pastor, and they used it for years ministering all over the Bahamas. Listen, I'm saying this. I'm saying that if, if we will understand that there are things in our lives that we've attached ourselves to and we've put our trust in and we've put our hope in and we've put our identity in, and today God wants to set us free so that he can fill our lives with things that go be above and beyond what we could ever ask for ourselves. Do you believe that this morning, yes, church? Yes. So, so let me say it again. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that, that, that people can supply what you need in your life. God may choose to work through people, but God is the one that supplies the need in our life. I want to see, how many people say, God, I want your joy. And no matter what it takes, God, to have your joy, your strength, the fullness of your presence in my life, I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to let go of that thing that I believe that I've held onto as a dream or a promise. I'm willing to let go of, of anything that has control in my life to have you pour your strength and your control into my life. And when that happens, folks, can I tell you that the joy of the Lord will be full? The joy of the Lord be, will be full. Now, listen, it doesn't always happen overnight. It doesn't always happen um, just when we want it. Sometimes it's a process, but, but, but listen to this promise of God in John chapter 16, verse 20. He says this. He said, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament You're going to have some difficult times, some hard times, some things that will pierce your very soul. But don't give up hope. Don't quit. Don't stop. He says, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Aren't you glad that, that joy comes in the morning, that, that, that wherever you lack, wherever there's need, listen, I'm telling you this, that this morning that God wants to meet your need. He wants to work a work of transition and transformation and change in your life so that his strength, his joy, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, God wants, you to, God wants to fill you with his joy